The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Alright, so uh, you are bored, or driving, or working in your sterilization room, or whatever it is you're doing when you're listening to this podcast to to fill some time, but I always appreciate you taking the time to listen, I'm going to keep making these shows as long as you keep listening to them. Uh, I'm going to keep the intro a little bit on the shorter side this week, because the interview runs a little bit longer. Uh, If you're keeping score at home, Lola Slider comes on the show for the third time. Lola is a Scottish piercer who I am quite fond of, Uh, she has a really good method for explaining her, her concepts. She can do a really good job of uh, articulating the, the reasons why she does what she does. And uh, she can make the information really intuitive so people can absorb it really well. So I always like talking with Lola. I really enjoy instructing with Lola. And that's part of what we talk about. This was recorded in Las Vegas, and that was Lola's first time coming over for the APP conference uh, and first time there as an instructor. Uh, We talk about how Lola is not really a big fan of flying uh, to get to events like this. So the, the travel aspects were probably a little bit frustrating for her. Also frustrating is probably preparing a a class with me. Uh, If there's anybody else out there who has uh, instructed a class with me, you know that uh, sometimes I'm a little bit spotty on my preparation. I I think on the execution of a class, I can really uh, pull it off, but sometimes with the preparation, uh, I can be a little bit scatterbrained. I I really find myself having to be inspired when it comes to prep, and if I'm not inspired, it's difficult for me to kind of push my way through the the prep. So Lola, uh, unfortunately, had to deal with uh, me being really stressed out and, and focusing my energy and my efforts on a lot of the other classes I was getting ready for Las Vegas. I had taught safe practices in the piercing room the last eight years or so, so I feel very confident in it. Uh, Lola has never had the opportunity to take that class uh, like Baron because she had never been out to Vegas, so it's a little bit more difficult for her to prepare because I just kind of gave her general information like, oh, you know, prepare a couple of minutes on this and on this, and then we were just going to kind of incorporate it into the class, but it was a class that Lola has never attended before, so it was definitely uh, challenging for her, I'm sure, but she really nailed it. Uh, I, I heard a lot of really fantastic feedback and again it's because Lola does just such an excellent job of articulating the the reasons why we want to be doing certain things when it comes to safe practices you can just tell someone okay change your gloves wash your hands do this do that but if they don't understand why they're doing it and especially why they're doing it in that particular moment uh, they're, they're not really going to get as much benefit out of it so uh, it's really uh, fun teaching classes with Lola I, I would like more opportunities to, to do that again in the future whether in Vegas or, or whether at other conferences uh, Lola was also working on some anodizing classes uh, in, in Vegas, kind of like an after-hours curriculum thing with Brian Skelly. And uh, when, when you hear her start talking about anodizing, you really get interested in it because, you know, she gets such vibrant colors, uh, everything comes out so good, and it's really because she has a very specific method. It's not just a guess. You know, with me, with anodizing, you know, I feel mildly confident, but when it gets to some of the more challenging colors, you know, those higher voltage colors, teal and green, sometimes they can come out a little bit scorched looking, almost pastel because you know my method is is it's all right but I mean it's not as advanced as somebody like Lola or somebody like Brian so they they both do a really excellent job of explaining anodizing 
So we talk a little bit about that, how she was preparing for that too. And uh, we do talk a little bit about wrestling. So sorry, uh, you do have to deal with some of my interests sometime when you listen to this show. And wrestling is definitely uh, going to be top of that list. Uh, and Lola is one of the few body piercers that actually gives a shit about wrestling. So we can talk about that for a couple of minutes on there. We don't get too drowned in it, but uh, we, we do go off track a little bit talking about wrestling. Uh, you know, something else that I always tend to talk about on these shows is just kind of promoting my classes. Uh, as I record this, I'm getting ready to leave for Dallas and getting ready to leave for Amsterdam, and I'm sure you've heard about that ad nauseum, but I've got some uh, some bigger classes around the end of the summer that I really need to start kind of pushing along. Um, one of them is going to be Monday, August 26th, and that'll be at... Uh, Freya in Gambrels, Maryland. Uh, that is going to be the second time I've done a class in the Maryland area. So rather than being the uh, Bevel Theory class, that's going to be the triple seminar day. Uh, it's going to be anatomy and septum, and then I believe nipple, maybe date, if I can kind of get the uh, the attendees convinced to, to go the other way with it. Uh, and then a week later, Sunday, September 1st in Chicago, uh, or the Chicago area rather, it's going to be in Park, uh, Park Ridge, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. That's also going to be the triple seminar day, and that one is going to be anatomy and septum and Daith, or Doth, however you want to pronounce it, and that's part of the class, is where that word comes from and how it actually is pronounced. So the Chicago class, I expect to get very full very fast. I've already got around 15 or 20 people signed up for it, and we're still two months out. So if you want a spot in the class, it is limited in space. I would suggest you get in touch with me. Uh, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars. You can get all the information for all of my classes there. You can also follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, or you can even just reach out to me on Facebook, or you can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. I can get you all the information you need, get you verified, get you registered, get you set up for those classes, and we can uh, have some fun hanging out with piercers. Uh, I'm going to just kind of get right into this interview with Lola Slider, because like I said, it, it goes a little bit on the longer side, but it's a really good one, so stick around through all of it. There's some really good information, even though we do get a little bit sidetracked for about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so with wrestling stuff. But uh, I'll be back a little bit more at the end. Enjoy the interview. Or I would be tired till I would sleep. But no. I thought there'd be some kind of compensation happening. You know, mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter if I sleep during the day or in the morning or in the evening as long as I sleep. Yeah. But in, instead, there's actually been like no sleep. Um, <laughs> for uh, most uh, nights, I haven't been able to sleep before one and I haven't been able to sleep past five. Has it included um, anything fun at least? Are you like, fuck it, I'll just go downstairs to the bar and just like talk with people? Or have you just been oh, no, staring I wouldn't, at the ceiling? I, I can't like go down to places alone and be there and... No. Um, of course not. Who would ever want to talk to you? <laughs> you? This is something that I was talking to somebody else about, is what you really need is an exit strategy if you're embarrassed about going up to people. It's not going up to people that's scary. It's, it's then being stuck and like... Sure. Just, yeah, you need to have like an exit strategy. The, so I, like, have, I always have one prepared. I just you, I take out my phone and I say, oh, hold on a second. I just have yeah. to take this really quick and pretend you, like I have to do something. Yeah, you need to have like... Uh, you need to have perfected the kind of breezy oh i was just gonna go and do this thing so yeah, it's, i'm yeah. not even oh i'm just gonna go fuck myself i'll be, I'll be <laughs> <laughs> you could say that and people wouldn't even and they just smile, be like, people wouldn't even know what you'd said they'd just be like okay yeah are you getting they that just, where people are only hearing like every third word you say in a conversation because like there's always background music or fucking gambling or something i don't know oh. i mean i feel like i'm beginning that most of the conversation that i've been trying to have at the bar the bar Previously, this is your first time yeah. in Vegas, right? By the way, I'm recording, just okay. so you know. Uh, the the previous hotel, Bally's, they had a bar that was kind of different. It was one physical bar and then just a big wide open space around it with no music so people could just like talk. And this one, it's like a 
like a nightclub bar where you have like cool lounge chairs and stuff, but yeah. everybody has to shout talk to each other. Yeah. And I feel like I'm missing a third at least of every conversation. But whatever. Are you clamming up because it's recording? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you are, Lola. Okay. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about conference. Um, what was it like just physically getting here? Taking the time off of work, flying across an ocean, dealing with customs. What was your, what was your travel experience like? So, it took about 18 hours end-to-end to get here. Really? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, I flew from Glasgow to London and then from London straight here. That was just under an 11-hour straight flight from London to here. Um, which is longer than I've ever had to be on a plane or anything like that for. Yeah. So... That was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were there at least good movies on the flight? There were some okay movies. Um, but one thing that I did realize is when you select a movie, just be really careful to pay attention to whether or not you're aware there's extended nudity in them. Because it was kind of really embarrassing having a film on, um, you know, like men being sandwiched in between two other people. Yeah. And their films being like, just normal films and mine somehow seeming to have like a really high volume of graphic nudity. What did you end up um, watching? Well, I watched lots of things, but I kept watching like thrillery type stuff and yeah. I'm really scared of flying. So like I started to feel really like just negative and like all tense stuff and everything. So I was like, I just need to watch something stupid. I need mm-hmm. to find something stupid to watch. So I put on the Sex and the City movie um, without fully thinking through the amount of graphic nudity right. that's in it. A lot of Samantha. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was slightly awkward and embarrassing. Like, you kind of, like, yeah, become super aware of it, and you're like, oh, my God, this has been going on for a really, really long time. Like, this scene's been going on for a really long time, and, like, you can't look anywhere else, and you're like, well, I don't want to turn it off, because then it's like, that's going to make it even more weird. So I'm just going to have obvious. to... Yeah, I'm just going to have to persevere with it. And it just makes you feel like when you watch a movie and, like to the character to have sex when you're with your parents uh, you know like at yeah. home and you everybody just has to be really quiet and pretend <laughs> right <laughs> we don't know what this is you yeah. know, even though that's how or you like, got here yeah just move about in your seat and just be like <clears throat> uh, I, I think a really good technique if you're on an airplane and a sex scene comes up is to just slowly hold hands with the people next to you or just lock eye contact with them I think that's probably the better way to get around it. And then it became kind of like a weird endurance thing because I was like, well, I kind of worked out how many movies I'd have to watch. So I was just like, I can I can just watch a movie marathon. Just like the Lord of the Rings yeah. trilogy. Well, that wasn't on, unfortunately, oh. but that would have been perfect. But um, then I started to, after about six hours, I started to just go a little bit insane <laughs> um, and like become really hyper irritated by little things the woman next to me was doing even though she was completely like as soon as i got off the plane i was like that was actually fine there were no crying babies nobody was drunk nobody was loud like all of that stuff quick thing have you seen the bellagio fountain show yet no you should you can see it right out my window i'm gonna pause this okay never mind um we're talking about pornography on the airplane yeah, the woman next to me um, started doing little things that, that 
some like became really really more annoying than what they probably were after a while like mm. i was in the middle yeah and she was in the window and even though it was daylight the entire uh, flight she kept her blind down the whole time okay so i couldn't see out of the window at any point right um and then she kept having to get up and down because she like knew other people on the plane mm-hmm. so she would just like go for 20 minutes and you'd have to get up each, each time yeah yeah and then after a while i was like why doesn't she just switch with the guy on the end yeah. you know because then it's because she's not using she's not utilizing the advantages <laughs> of being at the window you know so like I you, well you do have that no one can touch me on this side wall which is a benefit yeah plus but yeah i get it did you want to just like strangle her to death after like the third time she got up well that kind of like thing of like where people sort of give you a look that's like i know i'm just the worst <laughs> i'm so sorry what am i like why do I keep doing this? And you're like, I don't know why. Why do you keep doing this? Like that kind of started to happen a little you're bit the worst. towards the end. Like, see the first sort of handful of times, I was like, oh yeah, of course. And we were just like practically Edwardian about it, and like absolutely this way, please. We'll both move, and it'll be really ceremonial. Mm. And then towards After the end, miss. we would just look at her, yeah, and just both me and an elderly French man would just get up and scowl silently, let her out. After a while, it was all gone. Yeah. And Honeymoon period of the flight was over. Uh, all right. So you survived your flight. Yeah. You got into the hotel and anything like noteworthy go on for you Sunday? Did you meet some new people just to handle registration? Like anything noteworthy before you kind of got into the meat of conference? Um, I'm trying to remember what I first did. When I first got here, it was relatively late and I'd been traveling for like 18 hours so mm. I just did like the computer check-in thing and just disappeared yeah. to my room because yeah. um, I don't like to meet people for the first time when I'm not in a very good mood Right. Um, and then yeah the following morning I just got up and managed to track down Kim um, and yeah hung out with her in the sun while we figured out what it was that was happening and yeah that sounds nice. Actually. I, actually, something that I've said quite a lot when people have asked how I've found it is like everything's just been really well organized. Mm-hmm. Like at no point, like I've literally been hurtled around the world and dropped somewhere, and I feel like and on any day I could just find exactly where I needed to go at any time. Yeah, you know, like there wasn't like, and I'm usually really easily freaked out and panicked and like I can't find the one thing that I need. So now I'm gonna have like a massive freak out of everything. Yeah. Like every day, anywhere that I needed to go, I could really easily check like on the app or on mm-hmm. the sign. Or, it know, only like, took 24 years of practice to make it that easy. Yeah, even like the, you know, like the casino area, like it's just circular. So if you just go left, you'll eventually, you know, like find the thing that it was that you were looking for. So like, one of the volunteers also gave me the, the best pointer that you can just look for Pitbull. It's yeah, like Pitbull I was is the doing North that. Star. Yeah, I was looking for Pitbull. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Pitbull. Yeah. Um, and once I found Starbucks and found tea. Things made a lot more sense mm-hmm. and felt a lot clearer, definitely. Yeah. Uh, right. So I got to ask you about the classes. Yeah. I know that going into it, it was probably a little frustrating because you you hadn't taken the class before. Yeah, that was the worst. Right. That was so the worst. basically going every, into something being every like... Every other time I've had to do a class, my classes have been much later on in, yeah. in, the, in the conference that I've been instructing at. So like the, the first time that I did classes... 
ever I had to instruct three classes and that was with you and that was on the last day yeah and that was really really good because it meant on the, on the other days every time I was watching a class if someone was doing something that wasn't working um, just like with their body or with their voice I would be like okay so people are not you know, like responding to that very well would be like, I'm not going to do that thing. That sounds that so much like, more professional than what I do. Like you're actually paying attention to body cues. I'm just, I just wait yeah, like, every time. I was like, I would go along and not to be critical of somebody else's class, but just to be like, okay, so this person did better because they made sure to, you know, not do this thing. And, mm. and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. So I put, and like the, the first time I did a class, I actually went to the room um, with Alison and like made her go and stand at the back so that she could tell me if I was loud enough. You know, like to practice making sure that I could, because we didn't have microphones and stuff, actually mm. be noisy enough. That's smart, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I I do feel though that it was a good decision for me to order a lapel mic for you. Yes, for the it was. Room that we were. Ended it definitely up in. was. In that situation, that wasn't an option, so I just had to practice being loud. But yeah, those are the kind of things that I do because I'm a nerd. Just yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I just like to over prepare. You're one of those Jeff people. Well. I don't know, I just, I think the more that I can, like, take the mystery out of what's going to happen, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to find out five minutes into a class that no one can hear me. Um, so, yeah. That's a good point. But, I, yeah, there was only mystery with this, so thank you. Well. There was entirely mystery. But. I, I could prepare in no way, and every time I tried, you were <laughs> no, like, uh, no, felt, it'll be fine. We'll just I sort felt, out closer to the time. Well, it's because there was, I, I knew that no matter what we did and no matter what efforts we did in advance, there was really going to be no way to really explain, because I don't, I honestly don't have, like, a curriculum, syllabus, plan, anything with it. I've just done it out of repetition and kind of the same thing that you said like I've I've tried certain things and seen what has worked and what hasn't and then I've boiled it down year after year and Baron had the advantage because he's just seen me yammer on and give that class I don't know three or four times so you did a really good job for like how much adversity was in front of you for me I think the hardest thing was there not being any kind of visual cues of any kind so Mm. like I was like I'm just gonna have to remember everything I'm supposed to say like and and then I would be like, well, what if I have something that I think is interesting and then somebody else says that thing? And right. then I'm just Steals like... your thunder. And then, yeah, and then I can't think of anything at all to say and I just have to stand there like I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> like those, yeah, those are the kind of thoughts that I was having. You know what I should have done is I should have tried to memorize what you said on the first session and then on the second session, just say it all right before you could say it. Well, I actually said a lot of different things. You did. In, in each one. It was good. It, you seem like you definitely... If you didn't prepare, it sounded like you really prepared, like, not not a speech, but like a exactly what you wanted to say on each topic. Did, yeah. did you prep for it in that well, way? Yeah, or no, I did. Do you just kind of go from the gut? No. No, I, uh, okay. no, I practiced exactly. Well, there were, th- there were specific bits of information that I really wanted to share. So those kind of things, I practiced explaining. Because um, you know how sometimes when you explain, you'll have an idea that's quite simple and you'll end up kind of like explaining it in a really messy roundabout way. Mm-hmm. So I tried to, like what I'll do is I'll time myself. So like I'll just turn my timer on my phone and I'll be like, right, okay, explain just to the empty room how it is that you pierce somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'll do it in the first time. It'll take me 20 minutes to explain. And then it'll take me 15 minutes and then it'll take me seven minutes. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm just really adding in a whole bunch of extra words here that have nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's what I'll do. I'll figure out or like things with like stock management and stuff like that to figure out you know at first I had no idea what 
I was supposed to say at all because stock's kind of everything and nothing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I went and I did all of my stock and I kind of said what I was doing out loud and I was like, okay, why am I doing this thing? And then I was like, oh, there's little reasons I'm doing all this stuff. You just don't think about it because it's so everyday. Yeah, tedious. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, I, so I just, as a kind of um, like game for myself, I was like, I'm just going to see how much stuff I can possibly get to say out of just doing the stuff that I normally do at work and saying out loud and writing it down like anything at all that I'm doing to make my life easier mm. I'm going to try and say it out loud or write a note of it and then I ended up with you know like a good six or seven minutes of just talking about stock um, which I did over and over again um, to try and cut it down to things I thought were most relevant so that's what I'll do I'll time myself and try and get a little bit faster every time not to not to rush through, but just to yeah, just to find a yeah like a rhythm. So that's what I did because I I knew that there wouldn't be any um like visual cues. Mm. So I was like, if I can just condense it down to what I really want to say, once I get started with that line of thought, it'll be easier for me to finish what I've already practiced saying. Mm. That sounds so much more professional than how I prepare for classes. Way to go, making me look bad. <laughs> uh, what what were like what were some of the things because you know you had you had the thing about the stock and like kind of the three principles of it and everything and it sounded like a really succinct way to kind of explain it like it was it was short and sweet but everybody got exactly like you, you got it you got like you know now you can almost close your eyes and like open an imaginary cabinet and you can kind of like picture everything yeah. perfectly lined I, I up I actually and, took photos we didn't obviously we weren't going to use photos but while I was um I was going through like you know, like just doing stock in my studio and just going over and tidying everything up. Ooh, and I, go look. Wait, sorry. No, wait. No, it's totally <laughs> worth it. Is it, is it really going to be yeah, worth it? No, no, it really is. Again? It really is. All right. That was underwhelming. Sorry. It was a huge disappointment. Well, it's because it needs the song. <laughs> you have to hear the teaches of peaches uh, while, you're, while you're watching it. So... You did you did the safe practices class with Baron and I, and then you did a class with Brian, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Was it? Did you also do one of the after hours things? So um, I did the uh, safe piercing practices with you and Baron, and then on I think Tuesday night, I'm gonna say we did the anodizing workshop from mm. eight to ten. How'd that go? Um, I thought it went really well, um, and we didn't really prepare anything for it because it's anodizing and. It wasn't going to be like a presentation style class. It was mm -hmm. going to be a workshop. So um, we were just thinking that it would be more informal and people could just like walk up and just ask a couple of questions and walk away. So it'd be more like troubleshooting. Like if you have an anodizer and you don't get really good results um, or like if you're thinking about getting one and just want to see what it does mm -hmm. and um, what some of the good attributes of having one are, then you can kind of drift in and out. But I was really surprised. Like I think about 90% of the people that were there at the beginning were there at the end and it was, you know, after 10 that we finished and it was a really long day. That's so, cool. um, was it one group the whole time? Yeah. Oh, like okay. that's, that's what I mean. Like, so it was basically were, like a, like a two were, hour class. Yeah. And it, and, it was, and it wasn't an easy space. I think, well, it wasn't the worst place to do it, but it just, it was a little bit of a challenging space because the lighting is very low mm. and you really need good lighting. Where to was do. it? Where did um, so it was just 
kind of out in the middle of the mezzanine area. Okay. Kind of like just outside that nightclub entrance. Yeah, like so where then, they were doing like the, the photography yeah, and the shrine. Yeah, um, but it was over closer towards the nightclub and the chapel area. Okay. So it actually became quite loud. Mm. Um, like at that kind of, like after kind of nine, there was louder music that we had to talk over. Yeah. So I thought everybody did really well to stay focused on what it was that we were doing because the lighting was quite poor. Mm. Um just it's just that kind of dark office lighting yeah um and it was quite noisy and everyone had to stand Mm -hmm. um but we thought you know like people were just going to kind of like come up and ask what they wanted to ask and then we'll just show them whatever it is they need to fix and then they can get on with their evening so Mm -hmm. i was actually like really impressed people hung around as much as they did um so it was nice i think it must have obviously been interesting enough that people stayed yeah um and at first it's that way where you'll say like okay just come closer if you want to see something you can just come and do it or you can come and do it yourself and like nobody moves mm. but towards the end a lot more people would come and sit with me and be like actually can you just show me how to do this one thing and I'd be like yeah, yeah. and I would do it and then somebody would come over and ask to see something else and I would just sit and just be like what is the exact thing that you want to learn to do and I will just show you how to do that mm-hmm. which is um, I think a bit more useful for yeah especially with a, a workshop kind of thing I mean you have everything right there why not yeah. utilize it did you get a green yeah. Yeah, a good green? Yeah, I did. Did I you know a, how to do that? I got a perfect I green on a piece of anatomical jewellery that yeah. had been sitting out for more than a year. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy because we didn't bring any polishing stuff. And I was like, this has been sitting out for a long time, so it might not turn out great. But So I, I was actually just kind of like pushing it up to see how high I could get it to go. Mm. So it was just kind of one of those things where I was just like, ha ha, yay. Destruction <laughs> test, and then it came out lovely. Yeah, I actually did do a couple of destruction test type things where I would take um, two pieces that were exactly the same and anodize one one way and mm. one another way. Um, and one would... Come out scorched and the other thing would come out perfect even though they were identical and the same age Mm -hmm. and the same manufacturer and everything just to show how the process can be you know like botched while you're doing it so for your for your like high voltage colors are you like a dip and tap dip and tap or like what what do you what's your correct technique and your incorrect technique um just to always put down like a base layer of of like deep bronze Mm -hmm. um and then i mean i can i can just tap things you know, and agitate them gently up to green. Or if I have like niobium grabber, I can dip them. So I, I can do either. I think mm. it, it's more like the preparation. So you're know, like preparing the jewelry properly to make sure that it's had even just a really gentle hand polish um, and making sure that it's been anodized, exploded just to a base color first so mm. that everything sits better. In my head, I always think of it as like if you've ever had to move out of a flat, you know, like before you paint over you know, like the walls, you have to sand down any of the areas mm. that you filled so that the new coat doesn't come out all lumpy. Like everything has to be all smooth for the best results to come out. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'll do that next time. I usually, you know, I'll, I'll do a green and I've, I've had good greens, but I think it's probably more coincidence than technique. Honestly, I, I'm good up to about blurple. And then after that, not so good. And like different manufacturers and stuff sometimes... I think you can kind of get to know the brands that you use after a while and be a bit more familiar. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just trial and error is so important with anodizing because there's only a certain amount of variables it can possibly be. Yeah. Like, it has to be one of, like, these, say, five things. It can't just be magic that it's not working. Like, mm-hmm. it has to be a very specific thing. So once you identify what it is... Um, and I always think it's good if you're um, supplying a brand for the first time in titanium or niobium that you anodize it to see how it holds up because it's going to tell you how old the jewelry they've sent you is. Yeah. Um, 
if the pin's made of steel, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're not like a jewellery expert, and I'm not particularly a jewellery expert, gives you a really clear overview of the quality of what it is you've been sent Mm -hmm. in a really visual way. So you can kind of tell if maybe, you know, it's not as good quality or that kind of thing. You're definitely smarter than I am. The more I talk to you, the more I realize, like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I've never really stepped back and thought about a lot of these processes. And when you explain it, it sounds so simple that I'm almost embarrassed that I never thought about it. I, I, well, I felt that way when, with your toothpick thing. With, like, which toothpick thing? Oh, the paper? Yeah. How to open the package? Like, that's the people, that's like the most valuable thing for people. People to take away from like that you know. I class. honestly hear that almost every year. It's, it's like in, it's, it's I spend insane. two like, hours saying all these technical things about safety and poison and whatever, and then the thing that blows people's minds is just pinch it through the paper when you peel yeah. the package open, and then it won't roll. It was away. worth it. It was worth the, the flight just coming for See? that. To be honest, that's going to change my life. There you go. Uh, especially yeah, that because you're actually, all, all package person. That might actually solve like a lot of my anger issues at work. Yeah, that I can now open. <laughs> those packets without having to worry about things pinging or for me it was when i when i was at a point in my career where i understood that if you know if you open up a taper and it rolls off onto the dental bib and it touches the dental bib you shouldn't use it you know if it's for an initial piercing you know uh and i just got so frustrated because i at the time i had maybe like four pin tapers you know so if I didn't have a spare ready, it'd be like, well, yeah. And shit, the hardest thing about the job it. is you have to be, you know, like critical of yourself when no one's watching and only yeah. you know. Yeah. That's like the true test of like what you do with this information exactly. is you're like, I know it's probably going to be fine, but it's technically not fine. So I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna do the thing and I'm gonna yeah. get out another one. And it's almost like a walk of shame. Yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, like I think what you do when nobody's around and nobody's looking is what's really, really important. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you post or what other people see you doing. Right. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you if you do something wrong and you knowingly shrug it off, that's that's definitely a hard line. You know, if if it's you you know you honestly just didn't know, you maybe made a mistake or you neglect something, and then after a while you figure out how to change that. But if you're just like meh, uh, so that's what led to me doing that because I got so frustrated by like. Oh, just one ball, like everything was perfect. And then one little ball rolls off and then you're just like, everything is wrong. Everything is wrong and ruined. Yeah. 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 Hari Kari or something. We're doing a piercing. So, and, and then what was the other full class or what was that? That's, that's everything. I did, okay. I did the class the with you guys twice and, and I did anodizing. Okay. So what was it, what were the differences between session one and session two? Because I felt like session two was like a, you know, not to be corny, but it felt like it was a special session. Like we were all yeah. really working session off of each other. Session two is what session one could have been if you'd have let me practice with you more. Sorry. Yeah. It's all but fun. hey, at least at least we took like that well, hour before. Yeah. And I made you way more anxious and nervous. <laughs> yeah, I know. For, <laughs> yeah, for people that that obviously won't know this, I had um, specific things I prepared that I was really happy with that I shared with Ryan. He imme- immediately ripped to pieces immediately before the class. I, I tried to give you as much constructive criticism as possible. An hour before is not the time for constructive criticism. <laughs> All you can do then is just pray for the best and just be like, just go for it. Just say it with conviction. It'll come out fine. You can't make changes at that point. That's too late. No, I got I to gotta polish that diamond. Uh, I think you did excellent both sessions. And I heard really excellent feedback of you from both sessions. Oh, that's good. Despite my best intentions to ruin your class. <laughs> I had, I had, uh, I heard some nice things about the Monday class today, which was good. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, like for me, I, when I was talking to people about it and they were asking how I thought it went, I was like, I'm really happy with the information. I just feel it was a little bit like jumping all over the place. Like we're going to talk about this subject for like two minutes and then that leads on to something totally unrelated for five minutes and mm. then something else. So I felt all the information was valid. I don't think any of it was wrong or bad. I just feel that like um, you, me and Baron didn't have a kind of comfortable chemistry. Not yet. We'd... I think we do yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, also because we didn't really know who was going to say what and in what order. Mm-hmm. It made it really difficult to segue. So, like, you couldn't be like, oh, well, actually, Lola has something to say about that because you didn't know what I was going to say and I didn't know what you were going right. to say or what Baron was going to say, really. So To be fair, too, having me in a class is yeah. like the sword of Democles where you never know where I'm just going to be like, and then I have something to add. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and but the, the good thing was, though, like, we did get asked some questions in the first class that gave me stuff to go away and just double-check you know, like the answers for and everything mm. so that I could then introduce those questions in the second class, um, even though nobody was asking them and just give it as extra information that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. Um, and I thought that there was just a much better flow. And it's just the same as me re- recording myself. I felt that in the second class, everyone had a much better idea of what really worked the first time mm. and what was unnecessary the first time. And it was just much tighter and more satisfying. Um, and the order made a bit more sense. And mm. I thought people spoke for more even amounts of time. Um, and we just had a better, yeah, like a better, you know, I'm going to round off what I'm saying at this moment because this would be a good time for, you know, another person to say something. I, just I did thought, feel like we were all setting each other up yes, by that, that class. definitely. Yeah. And I thought that as well, because it was kind of like the second time round, yeah, I thought it was just a little bit more fun. And But after the first class, even though I was only about, I was saying about 85% happy with it, which is still really good for me. Like, I was really happy with that. Mm. I was actually thrilled to be able to get to do it again. So for me, if something doesn't go well, it's not that I'm like, oh, my God, I have to do this a second time. For me, it's like, it's really good because sometimes if you do something you're not happy with and you don't get a chance to do it again, you, like, obsess over it and pick it apart. And by the end of it, you're probably going to think it was, like, 10 times worse than what it even was at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, Whereas because I knew I was going to get to do it again, I was just like, well, if there's anything I wasn't happy with, I'm going to get a chance to literally do it again in a few days. Mm -hmm. And you don't often get the chance to do stuff like that. So um, I was actually really excited to get into the second class, um, which was a completely different feeling to what the first class was like. The first class, I was like, I just hope I can start talking. I think once I start, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Once I look at a couple of faces and I start and, you know, I don't instantly burst into flames, it'll be okay. I just have to start. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really good. Uh, thank you. So if if we were to do it again next year, the same pairing, three of us, uh, are there any, like, immediate improvements, you think? Uh, maybe. I, I was thinking... It would have been a really good idea if we had thought to either video record it or audio record it just so we could... I've always wanted to go back and just write out all the different topics that are included in it because yeah. some of them some of them are, are definitely connected. But like you said, there are a lot of things where you just jump from this to this to this and they're, yeah. they're only connected because it's something related to safety and piercing, but yeah. they're not super related. Yeah. I would like to get a full kind of inventory or course structure i just think there are so many topics though without any kind of visual cue to keep you in order you Mm -hmm. would have to you would really have to basically memorize the class and if you're memorizing it then you might as well have it written down i did that last year actually i i like last year i did two sessions and it was 
not word for word the same, but I, I pasted it and structured it in the same way. Yeah. And I took the little table of like the bits and bobs and stuff, yeah. and I laid them all out in the order that I taught in. And I basically taught down a table with like all the props. I will say that for neither class, I had no idea what time it was. So like in each class, I didn't know when it had been like an hour or an hour and a half or mm -hmm. two hours. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was really good. We didn't run out of things to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's better to not have time to fit everything in, to run out of stuff to say. Yeah. But there were times towards the end where I was just like, oh my God, what if it's only been like half an hour? What if it feels like it's been like an hour and a half? It's yeah. been like 20 minutes and there's going to be like so much more of this. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I was I was checking the clock because there's a clock in the podium, uh -huh. and then the people that work the door they give you like a fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I knew that. So yeah. like I was starting to towards the end, I was starting to like look over and be like, I have no idea what time it is. Right. Um, but no, I think everything was timed really nicely. I think we for the second class especially, um, we just kind of run out of really significant things to say, hmm. just in time basically. Yeah, that, that bit with the sterile gloves at the end, though, was really yeah. good because you can make that five minutes or 15 minutes if you needed to. Yeah, and people can yeah. come and, like, practice putting them on and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I think I think that it went well. Some people said some nice things about it. Um, What's some of the more common questions you get at the end of the class? Because, you know, everybody always comes up and, you know, you're standing for an extra 10 or 15 minutes asking questions. I think one of the more frequent things I get asked about is the enzyme foam, because mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of piercers have, have experienced that yet. What were yeah. some of the questions you were getting? Uh, mainly, um, I was just helping people um, with the sterile gloves and they were just kind of having that problem of, you know, like not knowing where to touch the glove. And mm -hmm. I was just like, well, you don't need to, you know, it's like I was saying, you don't have to learn a routine and learn like a choreography when you're putting on your gloves. You just have to ask yourself the question, like, why would I touch it on that bit? That's the bit that has to touch my mm -hmm. jewelry and my needle and everything. You know, like, why would I touch the paper? You have to eliminate the bits, you know, just unpack the thought in your head. Mm -hmm. Like, people are a lot smarter than they think they are. So, you know, I was with this one woman and she was just like, I don't know where I'm to touch this, even though I just told her she was like okay, I'm not quite sure where to touch this. And I was like, where do you think that you should touch it? And she just guessed exactly the right place. She was like, mm. well, there. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. I think sometimes people should just give themselves a bit more credit for problem solving. Yeah. Like problem solving is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, like most of what I do with, you know, like I would never have thought that I would have enough information to share that I could ever instruct a class or that I would ever have enough important things to say to instruct a class. Like I'm not like... You know, like people that can just rattle off really extensive technical information with numbers and statistics and you mean big Brian. words. I was trying not to say Brian because I feel like he always gets picked on for this. But yeah, no. Um, like I feel like yeah, um, I feel like I could know all of that stuff and I could find the information in two minutes if I needed to, and I'd be secure enough in my ability to learn about any of those things. But if somebody just asked me off the cuff some really specific question. I would have to, to double check to make sure mm -hmm. that I was 100%. So um, I always thought that because I didn't have that much super technical information, I wouldn't have anything worth sharing. And I think that like easily like 90% of the information that I share is just problem solving skills. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes in my own studio uh, because that, that's such a big part of the way I like to pierce is if there's an issue, think about what's causing the issue and eliminate yeah. that. Don't just treat the issue and sometimes with with my other piercers um it's it's not that they're they're not problem solving but they're just so rigid in their like yeah there's a problem this is how ryan wants me to treat a problem like that so that's it but they don't stop and think like well maybe the the source of the problem is a little bit different 
And uh, as time goes and as piercers get more experience, I think they do that, but it's also a, it's another skill you have to develop. Yeah. I mean, well, this is something that I kind of really realized when I was in the class with you is in the run-up to, to doing the classes, I was just like, oh, I'm going to forget all of the times that it takes for chemicals to work and all of this stuff. And then when you were in the class, you were just like, how long does it take this to work? And the answer is just always read the label. And you mm. can read the label at any time. You can yeah. read the label before every piercing if you have to. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to know when you're removed from work and you're in a different scenario and someone asks you a question. Why would you need to know in that situation? You're not piercing anybody. Yeah. So I was like, it just seemed like less of a big deal that I felt I couldn't instantly remember all of those numbers. I was like, well, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. That's making my job more complicated. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a way where I was just like, okay, I've kind of overcomplicated that a little bit, being so stressed about it. You know, like, it's not like an embarrassing thing. If I can't remember the reaction time to something, I can check any time I need to yeah. to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Especially if you have something like an SOP manual yeah. where you can even, it's it's even sort of a cheat sheet, you know? If you forget a product, you just flip to that page and you're like, oh, okay, three minutes, no problem. But the, the, the reason why I like to drive home that same fact, you know, not... And, and talk about it with multiple products, you know, skin preps and disinfectants yeah, and, and products whatever. Products change. Companies change products on you all the time. Right. So just because you know the reaction time of something or um, it doesn't mean that they won't change it without telling you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I just thought that it was, um, it was just a really interesting way of looking at things where it's just like you don't really need to know to memory any of this stuff. Yeah. You know, like you can... You can just pick something up and read it right when you're about to use it if you're not 100% sure and just double check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of piercers get intimidated in a situation like that. Kind of like when you were putting pressure on yourself, being yeah. like, oh, I need to remember this and that. Yeah. When piercers think that if they don't have that encyclopedic knowledge, yeah. then they're they're a bad piercer. When What you really just need is the access to the information. Sure, and yeah. To be able to know when you need to check the information mm-hmm. and, and to actually do it if you don't know. Yeah. Like, you don't, yeah, you don't need to memorize any of that stuff. So Yeah, and you only need to check it once and then just print it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so classes, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anything else that you want to hit on on the, the Safe Practices class? Anything, like, noteworthy that sticks out for you? Um, I don't know. Now I'm thinking. Okay. Well, all right. What, what do you mean, like, about like what? I mean, anything other than the fact that isn't Baron a lovely person? Yeah. He's great. I would say, like, I just wish that um, he would have more confidence in what he was saying. Mm. Because I never realized, you know, like, when I was getting ready for the first class, like, I was so nervous that, like, I don't think that I noticed how nervous that he was as well. Yeah. Um, and it was just really surprising to me to see somebody that I didn't think should be nervous at all being nervous and I was like why is he nervous everything he has to say is perfectly true Mm -hmm. so like yeah I think that he did really fantastic and it was really nice doing the class with him and getting to hang out with him and um just get to know him while I've been here and everything and I think if there was only one thing that I would change is that he just needs to be like a bigger fan of himself yeah well one of the things that I and no one gave me this role or gave me permission for this role but uh I think what my main role is within whatever the APP is, is I, I take people that I think are talented and underutilized yeah. and I shove them towards their destiny, basically. Yeah. And Baron has been putting in a ton of work on, on the membership committee uh-huh. and he's super smart and he knows the industry inside and yeah, out. Like he knows he exactly so what he's doing. He has so much going on. Like, yeah. But he doesn't get a lot of opportunities for public speaking. 
And that's, again, that's just another skill that you can develop. Yeah. So he, he knows exactly what he wants to say and how he needs to say it to be able to convey it properly. Yeah. He just has to get comfortable saying it out loud in front of someone. Yeah. That's all. You know, and like with you, uh, I've seen you instruct at UKAPP and I've seen how fast you improve as an instructor with like not a lot of, because I mean, you only get to, to teach essentially a few times a year. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you've made really big progress in it. And I think that the the way to get better is more exposure and more opportunities to instruct places. And this is a great opportunity because you get tons of exposure. Yeah. And everybody that talks about you talks about you as being like, wow, I was really impressed with, with Lola's speaking style and her knowledge and all that stuff. So it worked. And I'm oh, really, really glad. Yay. Yeah. I'm so happy. So uh, are, are there more things that you want to teach? Like, do you have... Any subjects that stand out for you as like something you would really like to do a class on and just haven't had the opportunity yet? No, the only um, last year at the UKPP was the first time I taught a class that I'd made and I'd picked, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it was actually like a really nice experience. And I was probably a little less nervous about it because because it was like a PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. I could just memorize the whole thing, yeah. And it was only me, so I didn't have to worry about stepping on anyone's toes or letting anyone else down or mm-hmm. anything like that. So weirdly, doing it myself was kind of a bit less scary than doing it with somebody else um but that was uh i did a pa fundamentals class Mm -hmm. and i really wanted to do that specifically in the uk for uk people because um over something like 90 to 95 percent of men are uh, not circumcised so there's like a lot that you can go into with marking and placement and you know like making sure that you're doing the piercing safely Mm. and that's something that I mentioned to Baron and he said that over here it's kind of like the opposite you know like it's very rare that they'll do anything um, on a male that isn't circumcised yeah and um, so I just thought that it was it would be a good perspective for somebody in the UK to to do a PA fundamentals class because a lot of um, like advanced or genital classes uh, are taught by American instructors, and mm. I just thought, well, if an American instructor does this class, they might not in- they might not include so much information about what we're actually going to have to be doing with the general public in the UK. Right. Um. So like, I, yeah, it's I would have never pictured myself getting to do a class that was so in depth and for me felt so advanced and probably a little bit more than I should be doing at the stage that I'm at with instructing. Mm-hmm. But I just I had. A lot to say about it like um, it was something that I thought of kind of as um, I was like explaining a lot of stuff to Alison who I work with you know like she'll sit in with me for genital piercings and I'll always say out loud everything that I'm doing and at some point I was just like there's quite a lot to talk about with this like I think that I could fill up an hour and a half just mm. talking about this mm. um, so yeah that that was fun that, well, went, that went good if if you like that class I yeah. just the way you describe it I instantly see value in it for people definitely outside of the UK because I think a lot of a lot of different markets around the world circumcision isn't common in in the states yeah. it's like it's almost just a, a foregone conclusion. I think that's why it kind of jumped out at me something that I wanted to do is I just thought that I could have a perspective on it that people might actually find practically useful and helpful mm. um, and I just included a lot of pictures of like just examples of like incorrect marking and um, you know, like reasons that marking might not work and tests that you can do to the tissue to check your marking and mm. angling to make sure that you're not restricting the foreskin and just all that kind of thing. Um, because, yeah, it's like almost, I mean, I'll do 
maybe 10 Prince Albert piercings and then maybe I'll get one on someone that's circumcised. Yeah. And even then, I've actually had um, a few people that have had like late life circumcisions where mm-hmm. they've had it done as adults. Um, and then it's kind of like newer, yeah. so it hasn't aged the same. Right. So again, so that's it's a, more that's like a little just bit a scar. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's a little bit different. So yeah. just because that's the anatomy that I'll work with most, and I think people in the UK will work with most. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of apprentices don't do gentle piercings at all, and they have no information on it at all. Yeah. I was like, I just want to do just a fundamental PA class hmm. um, for people that have literally no idea even where to start with something like that, and have not even a really fundamental understanding of it. Um, so something about the structure. Are you familiar with how the structure of like getting a class no. on the schedule works? It's no, all proposal I'm, based. I'm, yeah. So if, if you took a class that you already have, um, that's the thing is the more prepared an idea you bring to the APP, the higher likelihood is that you'll be able to execute it. If you come in with a vague, if your entire proposal is, I think a PA class would be good yeah. and maybe I'd like to teach it. Then it's this slow trog where you have to you yeah. have to carry the whole thing, you know, cradle to grave. But if you go to it and you say I, this is the exact class I want to do. Here's a short description. Here's a handout or here's a copy of my slideshow or presentation. I've already done it here and I've gotten good feedback. It's really easy to get it pushed straight to the top like right away where the curriculum committee is like this is a fully formed class. We see the value in it. We think it would be beneficial. Yeah. The board will just say yes, and then I think I, I think I might be too scared to do something like that here. Yeah. Really? Well, like when I did it in the UK, you know, like a lot of the people in the audience um, didn't have much experience with with male genital piercing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people um, will maybe do like a couple of female genital piercings, but they won't do any male genital piercings at all. Um, so I really felt like confident that I could give everybody a useful bit of information and something they probably didn't know whereas Mm. here there are so many more people and it's not like I've been piercing longer than everyone in the UK or anything like that but here the proportion of people that probably know a lot more than I do is greatly higher I think you're so I would be be a bit more worried about people just like picking it apart and finding flaws I hadn't seen and hadn't noticed because the class hasn't been questioned as heavily you know yeah but I think you're either underestimating yourself or overestimating US piercers because it's not like a it's not like a dick party here. There are lots of US piercers that I've talked to at widely varying points in their career and they say like I've almost never done genital piercings or I've done like two PAs. You know, there are some piercers where they're for whatever reason the town they live in or the shop they work in, genital piercings just aren't a thing at all. So you don't want to have to go into something thinking the class has to impress people with 10 years of tons of experience in a, in a particular type of piercing. Yeah. A class like that is perfect for someone who hasn't had the opportunity, finds them intimidating, or is even just like the the second piercer in the shop. And yeah. Maybe it's the, the senior piercer that gets all the genital piercings, so they've never gotten experience. Well, in terms of it being um, intimidating, that's something that... Um, I incorporated into my class was just the um, the element of making sure that you're staying safe when you're offering intimate piercings, mm-hmm. um, particularly male intimate piercings. I mean, there have been like, you know, a lot of situations where, you know, I've basically been alone in a room with somebody who it's become very obvious very quickly is mm-hmm. unhinged. Yeah. So like that was something I really, for safety purposes, wanted to kind of talk about because it's something that like, I don't know, people don't really talk about it very much. Mm. And I'm like, 
that's like really scary when stuff like that happens, you know, like, and it, and it puts off a lot of particularly young female piercers, I think. So I really wanted to make sure that they all had like an understanding of how they could try and filter that behavior and make a safe environment for themselves without seeming too, you know, policey in their studios. Like I have to do quite a lot to try and filter out that behavior. And even, even with everything in place that I have for safety, stuff, stuff sometimes still gets through. So you have to be prepared in advance for situations like that to come up so that you're not caught off guard. I, I would really like to see you submit a proposal for this class for next year. Maybe I'll show you it privately and you can tell yeah. me if it sucks. Yeah, or you can show it to me privately <laughs> and then I will forward it for you on your behalf and force you into it. You'll phone them up and be like, hi, it's Lola. Hi. <laughs> I have to practice my, my Scottish accent. Yeah. John, I don't even, I don't even think I have, have, have much of an accent, but you can probably hear yeah, it. Yeah, no, totally. No. No, no, yeah. you, you, you have a, you have a delicate accent, but you have an accent. I'm very polite. Yeah? I'm very polite. Yeah. yeah. I thought the Scots were supposed to just be all about the headbutts. Um, yeah, I, no. Okay, fine, yeah. fine. Um, you know, um, in terms, in, speaking of, you know, like politeness, I've noticed that people here are really polite. You yeah. know, like, uh, like the, at the conference or no, just like in at, Vegas? At people in the street. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, if somebody's going to shout something at me, they don't like, you know, like say for example, if I'm walking down the street in Glasgow and somebody has the thought, she has green hair, I'm going to tell her she has green hair. And then they'll just yell at me across the street, green hair. And then that's it. And I'll be like, yep. Um, whereas here, <laughs> someone will be like, excuse me, ma'am, you have lovely green hair. Um, enjoy your day. And I'll be like. Wow, that's like better than some friendships I've had to just that <laughs> encounter. Um, Did you, so you exchanged a, nice a lot man, of emails. Yeah, um, yeah. A, a nice man told me I had swag, okay. which I've never been told. All right. So I was appreciative of that. But yeah, everyone's just been... But I don't know what I expected coming here, um, you know, like given that it's like meant to be like a party city, but it's everything's just really clean and tidy and polite and well-organized. I don't know if that's part of... Um, you know, like wrangling people into gambling. It really you know, like is. They, they don't want you to be on the street throwing up and fighting. And well, it's a it's a it's a trick. Like yeah. Las Vegas isn't meant to be a wild party scene. No. It's just meant to hold you by your ankles and shake all of the money yeah. out of your pockets. Uh-huh. So they want it to be clean, but yeah, they totally want you to drive right into the casino and drop all your money. So yeah, every time somebody stopped me to say something, they've always been really polite. Nobody's touched me or grabbed me or like that's a plus. You know, like tried to like grab my hair or anything like that. Or other you know, like parts. yeah, um, you know, like because that's that's something that's a lot more likely to happen at home. Really? Some, well, maybe that's where the headbutts come in. Yeah, somebody will like you know try to touch you or like say something to you and you'll express a, a disinterest in it and then they'll act incredibly offended, like you're a total asshole because you don't want to have a, a conversation with them while you're queuing in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're not even going to talk to me? Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so, a really important subject. Mm-hmm. And I was I was nervous to bring this up. And I, I didn't know if I should warn you ahead of time. Oh, now I'm really nervous. Well, okay. But it's important. And I think it's for your betterment, too, that you hear something. That, and it's, it's tough to hear. But yeah. we need to talk about wrestling. A little bit. Don't do that to me. Sorry, did I give you a mini heart attack? You did. <laughs> okay. Are you are you still watching wrestling regularly? Uh, well, wrestling died because Dean Ambrose left. Yeah. So wrestling ended but at that moment. Are you excited for John Moxley? I am more excited than I should be for a woman my age. Right, a married woman your yes. age. How dare you have those thoughts? Yes. Yes. There. Uh, where do you think he's going to end up? I don't know. Like, um, 
I don't know if he's just gonna... He, he's one of those people who's like, I guess just a really amazing character mm. in that like, you don't know where where it ends. Like, I don't know if the if that's just his personality. Or, you know he lives here, right? He yeah. lives in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, we should go find that him. totally wasn't a reason I came. Totally not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but that's what's... Like, he's one of the few wrestlers. That's why, like, I'm totally disinterested in watching now. He's not on the show. Mm-hmm. He's, like, one of the only wrestlers I can think of that actually makes you be like, maybe he's just like that, you know? Right. Because it's like... It doesn't really seem like a character. Yeah, yeah. but that's how good a character it must be. Mm-hmm. But then you're like... Or maybe he's just like that. You don't know. But the fact that you don't know is what makes him so cool. Yeah. 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 Did you ever wear that belt buckle? No, I didn't. Um, but only because the only belt that I have that you can change the belt buckle on is like um, a studded belt. Mm-hmm. Like a kind of... That I bought one day when I was trying to remember when I was really cool and had studded belts and stuff. Right. Youth. So, yeah. The combination of a studded belt and... The Dean Ambrose belt buckle. I didn't know if I'd be able to pull it off. Overkill. Well, you have swag. Yeah, I do have swag. Yeah, you have yeah. to rock it. Uh, so, no more WWE for you, basically? Just kind of fizzled it out? <sighs> I don't know. Do you watch anything else? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch the, the AEW stuff. Yeah, I'm really, really Definitely. excited for that. That, that it, I tell you, that's, I'm gonna be, that's why I'm going to be here next week. I'm going to oh, go yeah. to Double or Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Yeah? Yeah. It's going to be cool. I'll hold up a sound that says, hi, Lola. I remember the first time that I met you in Germany, mm-hmm. I would I'd mentioned that like I had some old like 1999 or 2000 episodes of Raw is War on my laptop, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back to my hotel and watch that, and that's what I'll be doing while everyone's having fun and drinking. And you were like, I'm in the audience at that. And yeah. Oh, was and it you, the, you were like, the Mick Foley one where he won the title? Mm, I can't remember. Okay. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I, I was in his I remember you, you, were, you were specifically like, look at the, you have to watch it this, I'm in that episode in this part of the screen. And I looked and you were there and I was just like, oh, that's neat. <laughs> because like of all of the thousands of episodes there are, yeah. I had like that handful. See, it was fate that we're meant to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten really, really down a hole for New Japan wrestling. I, I absolutely love it. It's my number one favorite wrestling right now really good uh, I went to the Supercard of Honor show yeah. in Madison Square Garden during Mania weekend and everything and it was it was such a good show such a good show although do, do, what did you ever did, did you ever like Enzo and Big Cass before they were like no yeah okay I I totally will admit that I fell for the shtick for a while like you know it was like soft you know I thought that that was hilarious at the time and then once I basically started to get really annoyed with them uh, that all fell apart and then I felt at that time when they were kind of like getting pushed, there'd been an influx of wrestlers that weren't great at wrestling, mm-hmm. and that kind of frustrated me a little bit. Yeah, just you all know, catchphrases. Like, yeah, like there wasn't a lot of like actual wrestling happening. Yeah, that's why WWE. Yeah, yeah, they've got Seth Rollins and who else? Ages. You know, well, one of my favorite um, wrestling matches um, in recent times that I can think was was um, I think that it was filmed in Canada. Um, because the studio or the the arena was a really weird shape, mm. a shape that it isn't usually, which is kind of why I remember. And uh, it was Triple H and Dean Ambrose for the the championship, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, Dean wins, but then it turns out it's it's not valid because um, Triple H has like his foot under the rope or something. But it's just like it, there was no storyline to explain why they were doing it, mm-hmm. and there was just like some insanely 
entertaining wrestling in it and like that was completely unexpected and doing moves and things they don't usually do and I was just like I don't know what this is it's just it was just really really good like there was no they didn't have to like build up to be anything they were just like we're just gonna go out and just do really really entertaining stuff and like weirdly enough that actually works that's that's pretty much all new japan is there's no storyline if there's a storyline it's just that there's a the entire feud is this wrestler wants to defeat this wrestler and then the challenges of like can can he defeat him like that that's it and it's not complicated uh but the matches are so good right now this week i'm i'm I haven't watched it at all. I, I thought I was going to catch up on it, but they're doing the best of the Super Juniors tournament. And I've been seeing all these different gifts on Instagram of like Marty Skrull and uh, there's this other wrestler named El Fantasmo and all these other Japanese wrestlers and they're just all incredible matches. So that's what I'm going to spend probably the next several days when I get home is just catching up on that tournament. Mm. It's going to be really good. Uh, anything at, like Ring of Honor, Impact, care about any of that stuff? Nah. Yeah. I mean, like, I would watch it. It's just there's only so much TV viewing time that I have in a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes when you try yeah, to totally. follow too many no, things. No, no, yeah, I totally some don't. Some of these things are like... Suck I, up a lot of my time <laughs> watching wrestling. Um, yeah, there's just, you know, like, only a certain amount of time you can put towards watching stuff. And yeah. I like to follow things. You know, like, I don't like to dip in and out. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't commit to watching that many different shows. I gave up on WWE. Did you also and- give up when Dean left? Because you well, were heartbroken. I, you know, I, I like him, but I, I got to admit that the, the Dean Ambrose shtick got a little overkill sometimes. Like, I remember they had that, I forget what it was called, like the Ambrose Asylum match or something. I, that was that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. With all the goofy, like, weapons and all that stuff. Do you remember, um, was it Mitch the Plant? Yeah, yeah, Mitch the Potted Plant. Uh, I, I, I had the the WWE loot crate for a while and one of the items that I got one month was like a grow your own Mitch and it was a little pot with like like loam and a seed in it and it it never sprouted but I tried Uh, but just before I forget I want to go back to the Enzo and Cass thing because the reason why I brought them up is they tried to do like a fake invasion storyline at that Super Card of Honor show in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, he tur- uh, he did turn up at something WWE as well. He he, he tried to uh, he tried to show up at a WWE like a Raw or something like that. Yeah. And get noticed, and some security woman like grabbed him and yes, I saw threw that. him out like very violently. Yeah. Which you know, fine, fuck that guy. But yeah, uh, at the Super Card show, I think they were supposed to just reach over the rail and like slap one of the briscoe brothers yeah um but he jumped the rail and punched one of the briscoe brothers who were like legitimate very rough people and they just gotten a like a shoot fight around the ring and beat uh-huh. the shit out of each other and they didn't show any of it on camera which was really awkward because like normally they would show all of it if it's an invasion thing but yeah. they cut away to something else awkwardly while they beat the shit out of each other around the ring and then they basically just got dragged out and then they were never seen or mentioned again on ring of honor so I guess they just showed up and got the shit kicked out of them and didn't get hired. Yeah. But anyway, fuck that guy. Did you see um, Bret Hart get, like, tackled? Yeah. Yeah, that was the same night. And I guess that happened, like, an hour before the Enzo thing happened. So a lot of people thought that it was, like, some sort of weird... Like, they were both staged things or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I didn't go to the Hall of Fame. Um, 
I can't think of anything else. I, I had like a total like <laughs> drew a blank wrestling moment. I'm going to Japan in August. You went to Japan? Yeah, for a wrestling tournament for New Japan. They have the G1 tournament, which uh, is like their heavyweight round robin tournament, and yeah. the winner of that gets to. It's basically like if you combine uh, like the King of the Ring with the Royal Rumble and Money in the Bank, sort of. You mix all that together, and it's the G1. And the winner of the G1 gets like a Money in the Bank briefcase where they can main event the main show in January and every year it's really really big and it leads up to the, like the, the big stuff but I'm going to go to the three days of the finals in Tokyo I'm like super looking forward to it it's going to be fun uh, did, did you ever end up going to any ICW shows around Glasgow because um, that one I went to with Jeff was really fun yeah I was so sad I couldn't go I was so looking forward to it but that was just priorities know, I, I get that yeah yeah, I probably would have done the same I'm just trying to remember what the last thing I went to was, and I can't. I can't remember. Hmm. Was it WWE or not WWE? Um, I couldn't tell you. It's oh. been ages since I've done anything. Well, you're a bad it's wrestling like, fan. It's yeah, I'm an I'm an awful wrestling fan. It's just been like um, you know, when you have well, I don't know if you have like a sequence of months where like stuff just keeps coming up and going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. Life, you mean? Yeah. Life, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, like uh, after I don't know if if I mentioned to you, but after my puppy had his operation, he then got sick again, mm. um, and has been sick for like two months, and it's just got better. Oh, well, so it's like, better. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's just you know, like stuff kind of rolls on, and you expect it to be finished, and he'll be better by this time, and he'll mm. be better by this time, and you know, like plans just keep changing and getting pushed back. Like yeah. how I do yoga I had to change a lot, which was really hard for me because mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I would miss not being able to do it so much yeah so everything about that had to be different mm. Mm. just stop doing yoga just completely just give up and turn into a blob eat American food every day and just watch wrestling it's funny well, when usually you... what I would do, I would do yoga and watch wrestling yeah? at the same time yeah I mean, I'm not one of those people that does yoga. Sometimes I feel a bit of a yoga fraud because, like, a lot of other people are like, yes, I burn these things and I, like, ring a bell and put on Moby or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm, I'll just, like, put on, like, a slasher film. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, how I relax is probably different. So you're, like, American psycho Patrick Bateman doing the stomach yes. crunches to Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That is exactly what I'm doing with... To, um, like Huey Lewis yeah in the, in the background <laughs> that's a terrifying um, thought but it's great yeah like for me like time that I'm doing I'm, I'll try and cram in as much stuff you know like when I have free time so mm-hmm. like if I'm like oh I really want to watch this thing and do yoga I'm not like I used to hula hoop a lot you know like I would hula hoop for like an hour and I would just put on like a movie or something I really wanted to watch and mm-hmm. just hula hoop you know I like, can do them at the same time yeah so sometimes I feel a bit like a bit of a yoga fraud because other people seem to have a much more like zen experience yeah that, that doesn't mean that I'm not doing yoga mm-hmm. you know like but that's just a misconception about yoga that puts people off you yeah. know like they're lying there and they're thinking oh god I bet everyone else is like really peaceful right now and I'm just thinking about all this stuff in my brain I think everyone's thinking that I think everyone's just at it everyone's just pretending yeah maybe uh did we ever did we already talk about the Diamond Dallas Page yoga? I don't remember. It seems like the kind of thing we would have because it's wrestling and yoga. Right. It's like a um, Venn diagram. I, I saw of our the interests. resurrection of Jake the Snake and everything and, yeah. I, and I really, really enjoyed that. 
Uh, I started trying to do some of the DDP yeah. yoga. It, oh, you know, it's so sweet. It was, it's <laughs> fun. I mean, he makes it very easy for yeah. it, the whole concept is basically for people completely out of shape that feel yeah. self-conscious, you know. Um, and I did it, and I stuck with it for a while. He really I started seems to, feel, to believe it. Like he, 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 he totally does. He's yeah. very motivational, and he does it. You know? Yeah, I stuck with it. It's not like he's just someone that made like a DVD and. Yeah, and then just fucked off. Yeah. Yeah, no, and he's got a whole lifestyle and, like, training centers and does all these seminars for it now. Yeah. But I just, like everything else, I just didn't stick with it. And uh, I would really like to try to get back into it. I think as far as exercises go, I've really tried to think, do I want to try to do join a gym? And I just don't think I would I, have I the motivation. CrossFit, I thought about CrossFit, but yeah. I don't want to be a douchebag. <laughs> and uh, yoga, I just seem, it, it seems like it kind of ticks a bunch of boxes for me, you know? Yeah, it, it, you know, it does for me because, like, I want to exercise, but I'm also very lazy. Right. Hence yoga. You can exercise, exercise laying down. exercise for the slow. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like sloth exercise. It's like lesson one, breathing, you know? And you're already mainly there because most of us breathe. I breathe yeah. all day sometimes. Well, then you are more than qualified to do yoga. See, yeah, yeah. and like, I've and I've see, never look been how to. Much I can I've never that. been to yoga classes. There's like yeah. so many tutorials and things, and there's a really good page called Inflexible Yogis, and mm-hmm. it's literally like a yoga page on Instagram dedicated to like yoga for the inflexible. Because I'm not naturally flexible mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. So like. They just break down and sequence things in such a way that you don't think you could ever like touch your toes, but you do these three exercises and all of a sudden in 10 minutes you can touch your toes because it just targets everything in a way that Mm. you didn't think could be targeted. A lot of people, when they want to touch their toes, they just try and reach them. You know, like they don't like do little kind of micro stretches and um, that's what's really cool about it is when you actually just like kind of follow the plan and then everything just seems to magically work and it's really motivating when you see those little changes Hmm. I try not to follow too many like at first I would follow like these really amazing insane yogis all the time but then that starts to get really demotivating because I'm never going to be able to do what they're doing and when you're just following stuff that's unattainable all the time it starts to have like the complete opposite effect Mm -hmm. so then you start following people that like do different styles of yoga and that maybe aren't in the best shape or that maybe have had injuries and or like things like that and um or like find ways to squeeze it into their already busy lives and stuff so they're more similar to you yeah and then yeah just it's more relatable and more attainable hmm. you know like instead of like looking at a picture and being like i'm never going to be able to do those things right yeah so instead of following like a 20 year old hard body yeah. from california i follow a 50 year old wrestler yeah i'm never going to be able to like do like a handstand on a marble kitchen counter and like spread avocado on toast with my feet <laughs> you know, like, i'm never going to be able to do that not with that um, attitude no um but yeah, but I can touch my toes. All right, brag about it. Yeah. Why don't you? Yeah. I can touch my toes. Look at that. Look at this. Touching them right now. See? Got to bend the knee to do it, but whatever. Uh, I can't think of anything else to talk about. Can you think of anything else to talk about? I feel like there's so much to talk about and like we can't think of stuff. Right. Yeah. It's just been like a really, it's been a really nice week. I've yeah. had a really nice week. So is it one of those things where you're just going home full of good energy and you're just like excited to get back to work? I feel that like, well, I was saying earlier that like I feel that everyone that comes to things like this really just wants to take like a week off to completely throw out everything they currently do and mm-hmm. redo everything. Um, everyone kind of feels like that a little bit, which unfortunately isn't possible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I feel like almost like 
see if you ask me now like what like what all I did like I wouldn't be able to tell you but I won't but in like a week's time I'll be able to remember a bit more clearly mm-hmm. once my brain's kind of settled like you know how I said I haven't been sleeping and I haven't been eating or in any kind of like regular way yeah um and I'm usually like I'll happily sleep for like you know nine hours um you know like if I sleep for like seven hours I'll be really cranky all day I've been sleeping for like three hours in a 24-hour period almost every day you know like there's the sleep hasn't been coming anywhere else and then I've just been awake um so like part of me is like I kind of hope that that goes on for a little bit when I get home because I get so much stuff done. I've always wanted to be like a morning person. You're gonna pass um, out in your bed. The well, the, this you is get the home. funny thing. Like when I when I finished everything and I went back to my room and I was just hanging out in my room earlier, I just fell asleep and I slept like I was in my bed at home. And I don't know if I've just been like possessed by this anxiety demon that's like I will not let you sleep because you have class stuff to do and things to learn and it's all stressful and it's all different and then literally like it wasn't being here just as soon as everything was done like I just immediately fell asleep like into like a deep sleep like I haven't been in like a week it was weird so I think I'm actually gonna be able to sleep tonight which is I'm kind of excited about I'm excited about sleeping but yeah like I didn't I don't so it just made me wonder how much of my jet lag was like not jet lag and was just actually terrible yeah it was actually just terrible nerves because i thought if it was jet lag i would still want to sleep at like some other time Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that like a lot of it's maybe just like okay i can sleep now like i've done everything that i need to do and i've tried my best to do everything and it's all there now so i can't change it so now i can sleep your mission is done yeah your watch has ended that makes me sound like a crazy person you are a crazy person but in a good way yeah. In a really entertaining way. <laughs> in an entertaining way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well I, I hope people liked what I had to say. No, or, or, mostly no? Okay, think never mind. Shit. Oh, well, okay. Then um, I'm just never going to come back and you'll never see me again. And... No, you, you're going to have to come back now. now. Now that people know what you're capable of as an instructor, you can't escape. Well, and this this is another thing. Like, I'm genuinely amazed and delighted when anyone knows who I am. Like... The, like today I had a lot more people come over and like ask to take pictures with me and I just never thought that people would do things like that was it really um, because they knew who you were because you have really bright vibrant hair I mean it could be it could be a bit of both right but like well actually I did have one woman who wasn't at the conference who was just a woman in Starbucks that did want to take a picture of my hair oh. and I was like okay because she asked really nicely mm. so I was like I guess you can so hopefully I'm not on some like weird billboard somewhere that I don't know about or like a weird green hair fetish website yeah could be um but no like it was just it's always really nice like i've had a couple of people come up to me and be like oh i'm really bad at saying hi and i'm like i'm that person i'm you like this has been me all week i've been this um and i'm just always just really like surprised and you know like i know that i have like followers on the internet but like i'm always like followers aren't friends you know like it's not like they're real people it's just a number on a list so like to actually meet somebody that sees the stuff that i do for me it's like there's a huge like you know, I'm just so glad that they're watching um, and that, like, it's actually going somewhere useful and I'm not just wasting my time doing little projects for my own amusement that nobody cares about. And I think plenty of people care. I think and you're I doing great. I don't really think too much about, like, being a girl because, mm-hmm. well, like, I am one all the time, so I don't have to think about it. Right. It's not like I'll stop if I stop thinking about it. Because you're well-practiced. You know, but I had, like, a, a lady to me say, you know, like, that, you know, she works in an all-female studio and that, like, it's important for her to have, like, 
female role models mm-hmm. and I never thought of myself as being like a specifically female role model even though I do all of the FGM stuff mm-hmm. and that kind of campaigning and stuff like I never really thought that about myself so like it was just really really nice to think like because I was so I had no female role models really mm-hmm. um, so I never really thought about it so it was just kind of really nice to hear that I could be that to somebody that's great that's like heartwarming great it was it was heartwarming it was really heartwarming like yeah yeah, I would never have been like yes I'm here and I'm a female role model like I'd have just never thought that I would have Mm. just been like I'm female and I'm here yeah Um, I would have never thought that meant anything to anybody Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, well I I think it I think it's really important and this year a lot of people listened to criticism and, and paid attention and tried to say like we need to have diversity and it's not just like throwing somebody up there because like a they're, diversity hire right it's not you weren't in the, that class because you were a woman yeah you were in that class because you're a killer piercer who can convey information really well and I think it's I, I don't know if it's like ignorant or offensive to say it but I think it's like an excellent bonus that you're also a, a strong female role model who can do such an excellent job with all these other things so it doesn't become yeah she's a woman and she can also do this it's like she can do this sometimes now when I think about it I put a lot of that stuff down to my dad Mm. because I was brought up with my dad which is a little bit unusual you know like when parents separate and divorce you know like most of the time you'll be with your mom mom. Um, I went with my mom yeah but from when I was like just like a toddler I just lived exclusively with my dad Mm -hmm. and uh, he he did everything like he worked he cleaned he cooked um, he taught me how to do like a lot of different things so like I never specifically thought of you know like I never thought of myself as being like oh I have brothers and I'm a girl so I have to do girl stuff like Mm -hmm. I never had any of those kind of thoughts and now I'm an adult I'm a little bit more aware of it is like I don't know if maybe because I was brought up dominantly by um, a man that like I don't really think of you know what I mean like I don't I don't go into a place and feel intimidated you know like because mm. of any of that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. You know, it... Uh, like, I didn't get brought up through the eyes of, like, this is what you're supposed to do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you had a, a strong role model and... Yeah. ...rubbed off on you. Yeah. That's great. This is all, like... This is all really good. Like, I'm really glad that Wholesome you had... Wholesome content. It, it, yeah. <laughs> wrestling and positivity. And yeah. I'm just really... I'm really glad that you got to have... I mean, oh, now, oh God, I have really to, I have to say experience. this now because I'm actually going to get in trouble. But my mom's really nice as well because she'll listen to this. <laughs> my mom will listen to this, um, and she's also lovely. And I have a, a stepmom as well. Who's, Hi, and, Lola's and, mom and, and stepmom. And they're both very, very strong. Yeah. And very confrontational and very argumentative and bold and probably oh, also so that's where largely you get that, then. and also largely responsible for a lot of the nerve that it takes for me to come to places like this. Yeah. Um, and act like I'm supposed to be here so I have to say that because they will definitely listen to it okay. my mom always follows all of my stuff and, uh, and like comments on my things and like occasionally if somebody's been like a dick to me on the internet you know just like a random person said like left a not very nice comment my mm. mom will sometimes fight them really she, yeah that's great um, yeah she doesn't care she's my mom yeah so yeah it's nice so I'm like yeah don't pick on me on the internet because my mom will come for you <laughs> <laughs> that's badass <laughs> uh, well Lola Thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and you should have the thing like on SNL where they have like the five timers club thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you got like, three more to go. Yeah. 
Oh, wait, no, you have two this more is, to go. This is three. Wow. So I think that, you know, you're all into all the merch and all of the stuff. I think that there should be like a badge or like a blazer uh, or a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, if someone's been on your piercing podcast like five times, that they get some kind of like little prize. That's a good idea. I would I'll like to that. Come up with something. Yeah. All right, I'll make you something special. Okay. Something Dean Ambrose themed or John Moxley themed, whatever. Yeah, just like a big cardboard, a life-size cardboard cut. Cardboard cut Something I can wipe down. Shirtless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to print it on vinyl, not cardboard. Yeah. It's going to get some use. <laughs> All right. Uh, I forgot to ask you at the beginning, but do you want to say where you work and yeah. your internet nobody, stuff? Yeah. My name is Lola Slider, and on Instagram, I am Lola.Slider, and I work at Forevermore Tattoo Parlor in Glasgow in Scotland. And it's a very nice shop, by the way. Thanks. I'm glad that we could stop in and see it, actually, while we were there. I was so, like... I knew that you'd pop by, but I still shat myself. Like <laughs> when Alison literally came in, it was like it was like the queen had arrived or something. She came in and she was like, "Just to let you know, uh, Ryan and Jeffrey here, okay? Ryan and Jeffrey here." And I was just like, "Oh God, oh God, what are they doing? Are they talking to people? Oh no!" Like it was just like a mad, crazy panic. We were, I don't we were know making why all I expected kinds of you jokes to be anything other in. than lovely. We were, we I knew, were I almost gonna. If fuck you had, if you bit. hadn't have popped by, I would have been like hurt. You know, yeah. So like I was, I was glad that you dropped by, and I knew that you would. And in a way, like I was really glad that I was working because yeah. it gave me like an excuse to look busy because I had stuff to do. Oh, I had like a customer, so I was like, oh, I've got stuff to do. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't um, talk with you. I'm far yeah. too important. <laughs> well, I wanted to get like a white glove and just walk around the shop and just give the the finger test to things. Was there reggae music on when you came in? I don't remember what kind of music. Because we was. have that's the the source of a lot of. Of, of arguments and it in is the, the is the high volume of reggae so I just wanted to see if there was reggae on when you came in because I, I know when you were working Chris the receptionist was also working and he's the instigator of all things reggae, oh, reggae. yeah yeah I, I think it was a regular day yeah all right I'm gonna stop recording and we can go and socialize our last little bit you're going yeah. home tomorrow yes yeah same well I'm going home at this point I'm leaving for the airport in four hours wow yeah it's going to suck. But whatever. I'll go home and I'll sleep for a day and a half. Well, thanks for squeezing me in. Thanks. No problem. Uh, I'm really glad that you're still here and that I got to talk to you because mm. the first half of my week was so jammed that I didn't really get to do anything. Yeah. And so after yours, I think I've recorded nine separate podcasts this wow. week so far. So I'm really, really glad that I got to, to meet up with some people. So That's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for doing this. And two more times, and then you get your blazer. Yes. All right, Lola, thanks for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when you take the time. Uh, two more episodes, and you do get that smoking jacket. Uh, thanks for flying across an ocean to teach some classes with, uh, with Baron and myself. That was fun. And thanks for being one of those body piercers that I can talk wrestling with. Uh, I've got two more uh, wrestling fans potentially in the the works. Uh, I've got TJ Kruger and John Balk somehow convinced to come to a big wrestling show with me at the end of the summer when I'm in town for that uh, Chicago seminar. 
So it should be pretty fun. Uh, got to hang out with them. Uh, I'm going to be doing a little bit more Q&A on one of the episodes coming up. Uh, I've got some shorter interviews that I'm going to kind of splice together into one episode, uh, some stuff from conference, and I want to kind of fill up the rest of the episode with some Q&A. So if you would like to submit some questions for that, it can be on any subject, uh, but it is just going to be me. So, you know, go ahead and ask a question or ask my opinion on any particular subject, and I'll go ahead and, and talk about that on the show. Uh, it's an anonymous Google form if you want to submit that way that way you don't have to be potentially I don't know sometimes people get embarrassed at, to ask questions like they're gonna be judged on the quality of their question uh, I am not the kind of person that would judge somebody on something like that but if you still wanted to ask it anonymously you can you can go to piercingwizardpodcast.com and there'll be a link to the anonymous Google form that I made for question submission. Uh, if you want to just ask me directly, go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. And again, if you want any information about those classes, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars or you can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. Uh, Gambrels, Maryland, Monday, August 26th and the Chicago area on Sunday, September 1st. I would love to see you there. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.